sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. With all creation. 
With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Amen. You can be seated. to call him Father, only 
stand with us.
reading God's word from the book of Psalms this morning. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their ebbs ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, for his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Psalm 107, 1 through 9, 43.
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Thank you, Landon Mount and Micah Bergen, for standing in for Kevin this morning. A great opportunity for us to worship together with you. Um, I want this morning to say um, thanks to um, Jim and Carol Briggs for role modeling for us 56 years of healthy marriage. And I'm grateful, grateful, grateful for you. So there was a... You see on the screen, rise and respond. And you'll notice in your worship program it says prayer for the churches. So on day 31, and I hope you, I hope you still have your prayer journal. It's not something that we make to use one time and throw away. <laughs> it's designed to be used month after month. Keep it in a place. I keep mine at my computer. So most of the time I'm at the computer. If I'm resting my left hand, it's on the prayer guide. Just as a reminder to keep, to keep praying for people. And so on the 31st day of the month, we, we, it's a day of prayer and fasting. Now, I already messed that up in my own life because, on, because it's Sunday. And I eat breakfast for sure every day. But especially on Sunday. But it's not about fasting. It's about remembering we are part of a larger community. And the churches in our community bonding together can reach this county for Christ. One of my mentors, Vernon Armitage, used to say, when, when the, best, the best thing to happen for his church was for every other church in town to prosper. And that's so true. It is as we work together, as, we, as the Lord prospers his church in a community, two things happen. People get saved. They come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And, and believers are developed and grow um, in ways that brings honor and glory to God. So let's pause this morning to pray for the churches of Henry County. Father, this morning we do pause to pray for the, our sister churches in Henry County. Pray, Father, your blessing upon those who are faithful to the word of God and who serve you and serve their portions of the county in such a way, Father, as to bring glory to you. I pray your blessing upon their leadership, their pastors, deacons, elders, and just ask you to guide each one of these churches as well as ours into what you desire for us as you see this community. And you have a vision for the redemption of this county 
And you see us in a place as a, having a place in that, as well as you see the other churches having a place in your vision. So I pray, Lord, your vision for the redemption of this county can come through the empowering of the Holy Spirit in the churches in this county. May they each one be blessed in order to be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in our scripture reading this morning, it said, uh, let, let the, let me make sure I get it right here. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Okay. So that's a direct biblical imperative. Let the, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. You will find in your worship program this morning the story of, of Jens. Um, you'll, ha- you'll ask him how to pronounce his last name. Um, I think I have it right, but I'm not going to risk it uh, Facebook Live or on the Internet this morning. But Jens, Jens and his family are new among us, and, and when they saw uh, Brad's story and Sandy's story, they wanted to get in on telling their story because they are redeemed people. And so we have Jens' story this week, and then next week we'll get Rachel's story. Um, but let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. So write it up, share it with Sandy, and then uh, she'll get it formatted, and we'll all have the opportunity of hearing your story if you tell it. So let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. This morning, we continue in uh, 1 Corinthians, and we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to begin with verse 12. Just as, just as the body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was expecting I was expecting him to say so it is with the church. But that's not what he said. He surprises us. Paul surprises us. Just as a body though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Jesus today makes himself known by the Spirit in the world through the church. Centuries ago, Jesus accomplished his work on earth through a physical body, which he freely gave in death for us. Today, Jesus has a body, which, is con- which consists of all of us. Jesus has a body which includes all of the redeemed. Jesus has a body, and and we are his body. Individually and collectively 
as his church. We are commissioned to carry out his redemptive mission by making disciples who make disciples. So Paul, Paul starts this with a surprise. Then, then he says to us, uh, <clears throat> verse 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Baptists do not talk very often about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, but we need to. Because simply, simply what Paul's talking about is the fact that the Holy Spirit, we are overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit in our lives daily and continuously. His, what, what Paul says here is it's in a form that says, says that we are immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit does the baptizing. It's that we are immersed into the Holy Spirit. I believe Paul has in mind the conversion experience in which um, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And when we, when we confess Jesus as Lord, we, we enter into the realm of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uh, fills our lives, and, and as he is transforming our lives. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Paul's, Paul's figurative language in chapter 12, verse 13, portrays Jesus as the baptizer and the Holy Spirit as the as the substance or the water, so to speak, although it has nothing to do with water baptism. The Holy Spirit is the substance into which we are uh, baptized. The, the followers of Jesus are immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's not a, it, it's, and, and Jesus, Jesus said it this way. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him are, were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given to them since Jesus had not been glorified. So as adding John's comment to to Jesus' statement. So Jesus anticipates participating in your life and mine through his life, death, and resurrection to immerse us into the realm of the Spirit so that we, we receive the Holy Spirit as the, as the, the um, empowering, 
for our lives. But you will also notice something else in, verse, in, in these verses. Jesus, Jesus is empowering a people individually and collectively, and the church Jesus is calling is one body, is one body racially. He, Paul says Jews and Gentiles. He's saying it's one body racially. Every, every church should have should have an ethnic mix. The church, early church had an ethnic mix, the Greeks and the Jews. So it's one racially and it's one socially. He mentions the slave and the free. So the, in, in our day, we'd say the rich and the poor, the slave and the free. The church Jesus is empowering is a church of great diversity, both racially and socially, because we live in a culture that's, that is diverse and we are commissioned to impact the, this diverse culture with the one true gospel that transforms every single life. And when we, when we yield ourselves to him, his spirit overwhelms us daily and continuously. So it's, it's not, it's not a, as, as some would teach, it's not I'm, I get saved at one point, and at some time later I get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't, doesn't seem to work that way in the scriptures as I read it. As I read it and understand it, when I confess Jesus as Lord, I become overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit at that particular moment. And it continues to have impact in my life every day. I'm continuously overwhelmed by the Spirit. I'm continuously being baptized in the Spirit so that I can function as Jesus calls me to function in this community. When we, are, when we are overwhelmed by the Spirit, we become his witnesses. So Jesus said, when the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. And when we, are, when we are overwhelmed by his Spirit, we are his witnesses. And as I said last week, the, the chapter 12 is an application of what of what Acts 1-8 looks like in the life of the body of believers. In this passage, Paul reminds us four times we are one and many in order to teach us three key keys to effective functioning as a body overwhelmed by the Spirit. Paul Paul assumes the unity of the church all through this. Now, understand, we all know he's writing to a church that's divided and is divisive and has problems in it. But in, in these verses, he's assuming that they're going to get over that because that's what he's told them already in his letter. He's assuming the unity of the church. And at this point, now he's arguing for its diversity rather than uniformity. You do realize there's a difference between unity 
and uniformity. Unity is we're all different and we choose to get along with each other. And we make every effort possible to do that. Uniformity is we all have to look the same, act the same, dress the same, think the same. I don't think that's humanly possible. I know for sure it's not possible at my house. You have to decide on your own about that. Paul's talking about unity, a sense of oneness. We are, there are many of us, but we are one. So he gives us these three keys. Key number one is each member of the body is equally part of the body. Each and each part of the body has its own unique function. Verse 17 it says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? See, we all have a role to play, and, and each, each member, each part of the body is equally part of the body. And, and it is, it's this very thing of diversity, which is, which is the, the lifeblood and the energy for, for the church. And he says, he says in verse, nine, verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? You see, if there was not diversity, we'd all be a hand. What good's a hand without a brain to operate it? See, each part has this, has this, is equally a part of the body. Now, the, there's a common problem here. And the common problem in Corinth and the common problem today is that parts of the body think too low of themselves. You do it all the time. Well, I don't have a gift. I don't have a gift. How many of you have been arguing with me for weeks that we've been looking at spiritual gifts? <clears throat> I don't have a gift. So you think too low of yourself. You think too low of the Spirit of God's ability to work in you. When you say, I don't have a gift, that's not about you. You're making a statement about God through the power of the Holy Spirit not being able to work in your life. Do you want to make that statement? I mean, I'm backing away from that one. But every time, every time a member of God's church says, I don't have a gift... That's what they're saying. They're saying God doesn't have the power to use me. Well, what I want you to know, and what Paul's saying to the church at Corinth is every part of the body is absolutely essential. And every part of the body has the gift to accomplish what God desires in them and of them and for them. Because it's his Holy Spirit. It's God himself 
working in us to accomplish his will and purpose. So the foot says, oh, I'm just a foot. The ear says, I'm just an ear. No. A foot is really very important. I know that better today than I knew that in the early part of April. <laughs> you know, a foot is very important. Every one of you. And the gifts you have is very important because God has placed you here and he's gifted you and because he's done this key number two we need each other the eye cannot say to the hand I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet I don't need you we need each other. Paul says the weaker, that in verse 22, that weaker members are indispensable. So you may, so you may say, well, I have, this, I, I, I have this little gift. So your little gift is indispensable according to verse 22. It matters not what your gift is. It's essential. We need each other. And sometimes we compare gifts. And we think, well, you know, I don't have Landon's gift. I, as she was leading this morning, I, I was thinking about her first, the, her first time she walked onto this stage as a child. And began with pulse. <laughs> and wow, what a work God has done in her life. I don't have her gift. Neither do you. And you don't need her gift. Because the gift God's given you is the gift we need in the life of the church today. God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, Paul said, so that, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts would have equal concern for each other. You'll find that in verses 24 and verse 25. What affects one member affects all of us. Now at Corinth, and perhaps in Clinton, there was a problem. It was a common problem. And the common problem is that sometimes parts of the body question the value of other parts of the body. at Corinth they would say oh, we're the spiritual group we're the Paul group we're the Paulus group at Corinth they would as we will learn in, verse, in chapter 14 they would, they would overvalue 
a lesser gift and undervalue a greater gift. And when we, when we look at each other and we, and, and we do not value the gift of each one of us, we do not value each other's gift. We, we quench the Holy Spirit. It's when it's like taking a wet blanket and throwing it over the Spirit. When we when we fail to recognize and value the gifts shared by others, we're saying the Holy Spirit does not know what he's doing. I don't know about you, but I'm backing away from that one. I don't want to say the Holy Spirit doesn't know what he's doing. Because the Holy Spirit has uniquely crafted this congregation and every other congregation for the purpose of God. Every, and which brings me to the third key, every, each church is missionally designed. Look at verse, look at uh, verse uh, 27 to start off with. But <clears throat> now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And what Christ came to do was to accomplish the will of the Father, and each local church is a result of God's sovereign action. Verse 11, all these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he determines. So if the Holy Spirit distributes to this body the gifts we need as he determines not as we not as we search out <clears throat> but in fact god has placed the parts of the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be verse 18 see you can't weasel out of this folks because this is god's sovereign development of this body and of each and, and of each body. In verse 24, it says, but God has put the body together. In verse 28, God is placed in the church. You see, every church is uniquely crafted by the Holy Spirit. But there's a problem. You knew that was coming, right? You figured it out by now. The problem at Corinth was an inward focus. See, they'd turned in and they'd started looking in at themselves. And what happens in a church? When a church starts looking inward, you know what they do? They start picking on each other. And they start quarreling with each other. And they start... And, and they, they start breaking the heart of God. 
Because he didn't create us to look inward and pick on each other. He created us to reach a community for Christ. I just want to remind you, God designs churches, not country clubs. You won't find his signature on any country club in, this in, this, in, the, in the world. But you'll find his signature on every Bible-practicing church. And I was very specific to that point, Bible-practicing church, because not every church is a Bible-practicing church. But the ones that practice the Word of God, you'll find his signature upon them. So what do we do with all this? Paul says, desire what is most beneficial to the church. That's, that's, that's the synonym of what he said when he said, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Because at first glance, you might think, well, he just told us <clears throat> all this about it's God's doing. Don't choose it. He puts them there. And then he comes back and says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. We'll talk about a whole list of gifts. And you have in your worship program a whole list of gifts. Um, you can look over them. This is, this is the lead to next week, by the way. So just so you know what. We won't look at all those because we don't have time to look at all those. But we'll look at a few enough to help us understand how God works in and through us today. See, we are... What God desires from us is the is for us to use our gift mix collectively. And he puts them here for the benefit of his church. And Jesus, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So in exactly the same way the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. And then he breathed, and with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Eagerly desire is an attitude which allows us to experience God energizing, empowering, and equipping our lives for his glory. So the challenge to us who are believers is that we would desire that which is most beneficial for the church. And for each one of us, it's a growth opportunity. It's a continuing growth opportunity. As we seek to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and love in the Spirit, as we seek to be His church, it's a growth opportunity as we seek what is beneficial for the body locally and globally. If you may be here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and I've talked to the church today, but let me take just a moment to invite you. For the church, it's a growth opportunity, but for you, it's a gift opportunity. 
It's the opportunity to receive the gift of life. Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it abundantly. Paul, Paul would write, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we receive the gift of his life into our lives and, and he forgives us of our sin and he makes us his very own. And, and he, he equips us for what he desires in our lives. And I want you to know that when you walk in the spirit and you live in the spirit and you receive this gift, it's the best possible life you can live. And it's a life that lasts forever. And we want you to receive the gift. So if you're in the room this morning, just step out and come uh, while we sing uh, our song today. And as we sing, you'll just come and share with us. If you're looking for a church home, we'd welcome members at this time. Uh, we exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you join us online, I want to just encourage you to go to our website, firstbaptistclinton.church, and click the I want Jesus in my life button.